Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, Episode 71, Hierarchy of Angels. Cool title or coolest title? Pretty cool title, if I do say so myself. I did name this episode, so it's a little braggy. I think you did a great job, especially right after Easter, uh, where and our Passover. family tradition and Passover, absolutely middle of Passover, I guess. But we talk lots and lots about angels uh, on Easter, and I was just thinking about gigantic spheres uh, full of eyes. Lots of wheels full of eyes. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it'll uh, it'll make sense. But first, do you know who has exactly the right number of eyes, Julia? Um, I would say that it's our new patrons. Our new patrons. Thank you and welcome to Kayla, Sarah, Charlene, and Jenny. And thank you so, so much to our supporting producer level patrons. Neil, Philip, Julie, Sarah, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Maria, Cami, Lindsay, Ryan, Shelby, Lynn, Mercedes, Phil, and Deborah. You guys are amazing and you do have the right amount of eyes and you also have the coolest title that God could have possibly given you, which is supporting producer patrons. And thank you as always to our legend level patrons who get physical stuff from us every single month. Buggy, Sandra, Ashley Marie, Leanne, Shannon, Cassie, and Ashley. Y'all are great. You're going to like this month's, I think. I'm pretty, I think it's pretty cool. I would get excited about getting it in the mail. So we'll see. I know. I uh, Normally, we don't uh, sort of order extras of the things that we get for our patrons. But this month, Julia was like, we want extras, right? I was like, yes, we want extras. I was like, so we're getting this. I'm going to order like four extra. And you're like, yes, perfect. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds Worth good. It. Worth it. Write it off on the taxes. <laughs> uh, Jules, what were we drinking this episode for our uh, angelic chorus of uh, semi-horrifying, semi-interesting information? I went a little blasphemous and we drank some red wine, you know. Because, like, the blood of God and stuff. I don't know. I, I found it funny. <laughs> That's why I we're friends, so. though. I, I hope no one's offended by that, but it is what it is. <laughs> and uh, to pair with your red wine, if you need a little bit of snack before you record your podcast, uh, we are fortunate this week to be sponsored by RX Bar. They are wonderful whole food protein bars, and they are offering Spirits listeners 25% off your first order at rxbar.com spirits with the promo code spirits at checkout. Yeah, get that good, good snack on. Also, if you've listened to every episode of Spirits, and we love you for that, thank you for that. You're the best. But you still need to fill your podcast queue. You have so many other, so much time to spend and not enough podcasts to listen to. Why don't you check out Multitude, our production company? Yeah, if you go to multitude.productions, you will have links to all of our shows, to Spirits, to Waystation, our Lost Girl fan cast, to Join the Party, our Dungeons and Dragons improvised storytelling show, and to Potterless, where our friend Mike, a 25-year-old man, reads Harry Potter for the very first time. Yes, it's very funny. And Amanda and I have both guest starred on it before. Uh, Not to brag, but people tend to say that we're their favorite co-hosts, guest hosts, what have you. Yeah, you can listen to our episodes and then all of the other episodes and tell us that you prefer us. That would be a great tweet for us to get. Yes, we would appreciate that because we always rub it in each other's faces when someone tweets about us individually. 
Yeah, it's super fun. And that link to multitude.productions is in the episode description of this podcast, or that's the URL. So you can just go on into your podcatcher, click on our little author name as it's multitude and uh, you'll get there. And with that, I hope you enjoy this episode, Spirits Podcast, episode 71, Hierarchy of Angels. So Amanda, I've been listening to a lot of our recent episodes and also, you know, we've recorded them and stuff. Okay. <laughs> and I've noticed that you and I have been talking a lot about sort of what our personal religious background and stuff is. Yeah, it comes up. Yeah, it comes up quite a bit. And I realize that not everyone has that shared experience that we do. So what I wanted to talk about today, and I think is going to be a really interesting topic, is I want to talk about angels. Ooh. And specifically, the hierarchy of angels. Angels are buck wild. Yeah. And I want to know everything that you know about them. I'm um, 100% going to tell you everything I know about them. Love That's what it. I'm here for, my dude. Thanks, babe. For those of you who don't specifically know what angels are, whether you were born in a non-religious household or just one that doesn't practice an Abrahamic religion. Yeah. Here we go. We're going to tell you what angels are. They're not just people with wings. You're not missing much, but the hierarchy of angels is probably one of them. Angels are crazy. Yeah, crazy motherfuckers. All right. So um, angels are basically agents of God, and they act as intermediaries between God and heaven and also the earth. So depending on the stories, the angels were charged with protecting and guiding human beings or else carrying out God's tasks on earth or in heaven. Yeah, so they're sort of the emissaries, like when a, you know, when you are depicting like a heavenly vision, right? Like someone being, like someone communicating with God or getting a message sent to them. Um, or in the Catholic and Christian tradition, Virgin Mary, like learning that she's pregnant with Jesus, etc. It's a long story. One second. There's actually a really great story about that. My professor in college who taught me, uh, like, the class was called understanding the bible and it was buck wild <laughs> yeah there is a great tapestry or i guess a mural painting in rome of the um of mary getting impregnated with the word of god via an angel through her ear cool 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 and it's buck fucking wild and listen this is an artistic rendering of a thing that like you know if you subscribe to this belief system completely defies like mm-hmm. human logic you yes. know so I don't mean to like make fun. Oh no, of... no, it's it's the painting itself that is exactly, insane. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like we're not saying that the idea of it is insane. You can you know make your own conclusions about that, right? But um, angels are like the thing that shows up when it's not God showing up or like like bringing God's message, doing God's work. Mm-hmm. Um, like they are they are like an instantiation of heaven in the way that I understand them to mortals. Right. And we should clarify that in most Abrahamic religions, God isn't showing up a lot. Yes. He, he's not coming down to just chat with folks. And again, like our particular background is Catholic, mm-hmm. which in the in the huge pantheon of like Christian religions. There's a lot of Christian there's religions. There's many, many, many. Um, it's been 2000 years. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff has happened. And uh, in ours, you know, people don't have a very direct relationship with God. Mm -hmm. That's different in um, a lot of evangelical traditions, in most Protestant traditions where people communicate more directly with God. In ours, it's a lot about ritual and prayer and, you know, venerating saints. And um, that was kind of our experience. So 
that might not be true for everybody, but this is where we're approaching it as mm-hmm. like, God is kind of like off there somewhere and you can think about, you know, and try to do well and, you know, meet him one day. But in the meantime, you know, it's about like your church hierarchy and it's about other ways that you can see like divine influence, but not the divinity itself. Right. And I should, I should clarify when I'm talking about Abrahamic religions, I'm talking about anything that falls under the larger umbrella categories of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Yep. Mm-hmm. And some Zoroastrianism, which gets complicated, but we'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, sort of like legacy of monotheism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is a hierarchy of the angels uh, with defined roles, appearances, and titles. Julia, did you ever read the book Seventh Tower by Garth Nix? No, I didn't. I did. I know you did. Many years That's ago. That's why you're bringing it up. Like maybe 16 years ago. <laughs> okay. I don't remember much. Cool. But what I do remember is it is a, a series of books, six books, Seventh Tower, I know. Gotcha. Cool. By the person sense. that wrote Sabriel. So people, pay attention. Listen up. Get your books straight. Get your Sabriel books facts right. <laughs> like, get your library list prepared mm-hmm. because you need to read The Seventh Tower. It is... Uh, and I all remember. of the six books before that. <laughs> no. The Seventh Tower is a series. It starts with book one and goes to book six. Okay. It is somehow, some way, about angels. I thought that The Seventh Tower was the seventh book in a series. No, baby. It should be. That's the, that's the umbrella. Seventh Tower is a great book. Okay. And it has to do with angels. It has to do with colors. There's like, like you move up a tower as you, as you like. <laughs> angels get, and colors. Selling as you, points. <laughs> as you like get powers. I cannot emphasize enough. I'm drinking a gin and tonic and it's been a long time since I've read these books. But they were so good. And they're sitting over there on my shelf. I have like a collected like two volumes. And they are very, very good. I'm going to reread them and assign myself that homework. I'm bringing them on my vacation, which I have just come home from, if you are listening to this in the present, and I'm going to read it and it's going to be amazing. And listeners, if you like Sabriel, if you like fantasy, magic, uh, angelic things, if you like this episode, which we really haven't gotten into yet, you're going to enjoy the seventh tower. <laughs> That's a bold statement since we're maybe five minutes into the episode. That's all I know about angels. Right. Cool. Cool, this cool, has cool. been Angels with Amanda. <laughs> Thanks. So we're actually it's like going Angels to do... in America, but it's a contemporary uh, uh, one-woman show about uh, queerness and being a, a post-theater kid in uh, 2018 in America. Well, that's very different from the episode that I had planned. All right, give it to me. <laughs> so we're going to be doing a deep dive into angelology, which is <gasps> the theological study of angels Whoa. and the hierarchy of the heavens. You know that I love ordering systems. I know you do. Please give it to me. You had so many organized binders in high school. <laughs> Just so many. So as a stage manager, you had a binder. Yes. Which was the, if I got hit by a bus binder. Yes. And actually, it's a great way to approach one's profession. Like, you should always be able, this is a little macabre, you're listening mm-hmm. to spirits, whatever. If you, like, We're drinking, can't, it's fine. If you can't or don't show up at work tomorrow, can someone else do your job? Can someone else run the company? Can someone else, like, make sure that the day operates smoothly? And that's the whole idea with stage management is that you should, at the end of the day, close your binder and someone else should be able to open it up and run the show. In case you get hit by a car. Exactly. It's the hit by a bus theory, which mm-hmm. actually here is like a thing that people in startups say. Um, you know, and like hit by a bus theory. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, I was very organized and I liked colorful dividers a lot. I, I know you did. I know. <sighs> so uh, first thing we need to establish is that different faiths and sources have different structures for the angels. For example, the Jewish angelic hierarchy is established in the Talmud through rabbinic literature and traditional Jewish liturgy. But all of them are all slightly different. All right, so like different sources, different you know places people are talking about what this situation is. For example, Maimonides uh, in his Mishneh Torah establishes that there are 10 ranks of angels. 
So meanwhile, in Christianity, the book of De Colesti Hierarchia, which is on the celestial hierarchy, which is a beautiful title for a book. In Latin? Uh, yes. Cool. Um, was written in the 4th or 5th century, and it acts as one of the most influential works defying the angelic hierarchy for Christianity. Wow. The angels are later organized into orders that are known as angelic choirs. Huh. Yeah. I always read angelic choir in the Bible as like some nice voices. No. The. No, it's the literal hierarchical structure of the angels. That is wild. Yeah. This whole episode is going to be like that where you're like, that's not what I thought it was. And then we'd be like, you're wrong. (laughs) Jules, you're such a good friend. (laughs) Using the New Testament, especially Ephesians and Colossians, uh, Thomas Aquinas developed a schema that uses three spheres of angels. Thomas Aquinas. He was like, how can I make sure motherfuckers 300 years from now are still quoting me every day? And then he he wrote a lot of stuff down. He lived his whole life that way. Yeah. It is... uh, uh, bless him like i I, i'm making literally bless him (laughs) i know i'm making a lot of noises but like his writing is incredible yeah and i cannot imagine having that much influence over so many people's like lived experience yes absolutely amazing uh so we're going to kind of talk about specifically what i'm going to talk about are the spheres as defined by thomas aquinas Alrighty. So first thing, we're going to talk about the first sphere. And these are angels who are defined as heavenly servants to God, like specifically like one-on-one FaceTime with God himself. Yeah. Like the handmaiden, right? Or, or like the, the attendants, the butlers, the dressers. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of The Crown season mm-hmm. two. What up? Uh, and they're, they're <laughs> right. going? They're right there. How's The Crown season two going? It's a lot darker. Okay. World War II happens. I mean, I understand. Yeah. At least they know what World War II is now, because that was a thing in the first season. This is true. Okay. First and top of the sphere are the seraphim, uh, which have references in Christian, Jewish, and Islamic texts. Hmm. Uh, Traditionally, they are the highest rank in the Christian hierarchy of angels, uh, but they rank fifth of the ten in the Jewish angelic hierarchy. Interesting. Which I think is cool. I'm just like, oh, there's there's some mix up here. I'm into it. Yeah, I wonder if it's like the different scholars ordering them on like importance mm-hmm. or closest to God, or is it the same like some type of angel that is being differently ordered, or is it like the name being assigned to different groups? In my mind, I'm thinking of it as like the standard in which the hierarchy is based off of yeah. is different. Yeah. So in Jewish angelic hierarchy is going to be holding different standards than the Christian uh, angelic hierarchy. Yeah, like what makes a good servant? <laughs> you know, exactly. what, what is God and when and how and where? Yeah. Um. So the book of Isaiah describes a six-winged being that can fly. Obviously, it's got wings. Uh, with two of the wings said to cover their faces, another two to cover their feet, and then the last two used to fly. Fascinating. Their name literally translates to the burning ones. Oh, man. Are they like a flame? In some imagery, they're portrayed as flying asps that also have human characteristics. What is an asp? I'm it's, forgetting. A it's snake? a snake. Okay. So they're like snakes, but they have like human faces. Uh, that's in Cleopatra, Anthony Cleopatra, and I'm terrified. Yep. Mm-hmm. You should be. Nope. Um, modern Christian theology has developed the idea that seraphim are beings of pure light that directly communicate with God. I mean, fire, you know, it, yeah. it makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, so the next that we're going to talk about are the cherubim. Cherubs. Yeah. Yo, pudgy yeah. babies. No. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> so they are said to directly attend to God. They have four faces, one of a man, 
one of an ox, one of an eagle, and one of a lion, which would later become the symbols of the four evangelists. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. They have four wings that are covered with eyes. They have a lion's body and they have the feet of an ox. Okay. I'm pretty sure this isn't true. It's 100% true. <laughs> don't, don't doubt me. So what? the cherubim in modern interpretations are often conflated with the puti, which are human baby or toddler-like beings that are depicted with wings. So the puti come from uh, the Renaissance, basically. Um, they're, a, they're the classic modern interpretation of what an angel should look like, this innocent, sweet thing that has little angel wings. Not a freaking, like griffin eagle hybrid i love the griffin eagle hybrid though with it has eyes on its wings I, like hundreds I was of that eyes part out jules yeah. like a scary scary butterfly first you give me snakes with human faces now you give me should be a baby actually a four-faced monster this is why we did this episode <laughs> <laughs> and like listen i don't want to come down too hard on it it sounds freaking badass yeah it does. but that's just very surprising also what are the eyes on the wings for seeing into your soul better to see you with my dear like, yes basically ugh. um so interestingly the imagery for this angel is said to come from the hittite griffin hold on hold on now i'm thinking about like the the wings are are like tiled in eyes and for some reason my brain just went to like how dope would it be if baba yaga's house also had like a, a tiled roof made of eyes it would be horrifying it would yeah. definitely fit into her aesthetic Thank you for validating my idea. She has it on a mood board somewhere. It's in her Pinterest. Yes. Please continue. So the Hittite Griffin is actually a really interesting um, interesting character in just like mythology in general. And it definitely predates the idea of the cherubim. It's said that it was the guardian of holy things, which really fits into the imagery for the cherubim itself. Yeah. yeah. Guardian, fierce, protector. For sure. And also a watcher, you know, speaking to the eyes. Absolutely. So it was said that between the cherubs' heads, glowing coals moved between them uh, could be seen, and their fire went up and down and lightning burst from it. So, like, the inside of their head is coals? No, and... like, between the heads. So, like, the body. Oh, no. It's all four heads at the same time? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I was bad. picturing, like, a cube head situation with, like, the faces rotating, which arguably scarier that's pretty good too yeah and so i was picturing like magma on the inside face is kind of like glue sticked to the outside and when they turn you can see the cold that's amazing but no so all four heads same time human what are they human eagle? ox eagle lion Whew. yeah oh. cherubim were also said to move like flashes of lightning <gasps> Which is really... Uh, yep. That makes me think of the weeping angels. And yep. that's terrifying as mm -hmm. always. According to Thomas Aquinas. Cool, cool dude. Love him. And like, listen, I'd love that you chose him to do this lens as well. Because he was obviously such a student of history and theology. And so for him to kind of be like, this is all the stuff that I think probably it is. Like he's read everything that there is. He's coming up with his own interpretation. And we get to kind of like live in that headcanon for a minute. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So according to Thomas Aquinas, who's a real bro, uh, Satan was a fallen cherub huh that's a that's a pretty satanic image in the yeah. way that we we were raised um in catholicism to think of satan mm -hmm. definitely i mean mostly we think of him as at least i did as like a humanoid mm -hmm. in the way that we think of god as a humanoid mm -hmm. but um if we're thinking about like hellfire and creatures and demons you know uh, look at look at a cherub in this sort of body and that's what you picture it does kind of mess around with later interpretations where people are like oh well well lucifer was the the most beautiful of all the angels but we're not talking about lucifer we're talking about satan so different different person for our listeners who certainly aren't me who don't understand that difference 
what is the difference? Um, so interestingly, in the Bible originally, Satan is a title, not a person. Oh, that this, makes sense. Satan in the literal translation means the advocate. So he was someone who would put people through trials in order to test their commitment to God. Wow. Like Lucifer person, Satan title originally. Yes, but not necessarily. Lucifer, not necessarily in all contexts, was a Satan. Huh. Yeah. Sometimes he just rebelled. Sometimes that was just a thing. It depends on the source. Uh, And Lucifer is uh, supposedly is probably an Etruscan god. Uh, He means the light bringer. Wow. And it was probably one of those situations where his name was Got adapted into yeah. was adapted into Christianity because they were like, well, they can't they can't worship him, so now let's he's, make him bad. Now he's bad. Huh? I really got to read Paradise Lost one these days, huh? Yeah. The last type of angel in the first sphere are known as either thrones or elders. They're first mentioned by Paul the Apostle in Colossians, uh, and are said to be the living symbols of God's justice and authority. What do they look like? Um, so they're referred to as thrones because that's one of their symbols. Okay. It's just a throne. They're I thought you were going to say it's one of their forms. And it, I was going to be like, wow, very specific. Well, um, they're also depicted as flaming wheels at times, uh, even appearing as a wheel within a wheel. And the rims of those wheels are covered in hundreds of eyes. Um, we keep coming back to the hundreds of eyes. <laughs> There's a lot of hundreds. And I cannot <laughs> emphasize enough, Thomas. <laughs> how terrifying this is damn it thomas 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 my buddy my dude my my real bro (laughs) my 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 friend my good good friend please stop with the eyes but also this version of the thrones julia is crying laughing on the floor reminds me of like sick rims (laughs) sweet rims bro like pit my ride style (laughs) some real fast and furious bullshit here (laughs) i mean i think that's the conclusive proof we need that the fast and furious franchise is at least one tier of god's will on earth okay prove me wrong i I can't with all of my with all my background in history and religion i can't there's sick rims there's family This is a perfect melding of me having an impression and also me knowing what happened in a movie. And it just took Julia by surprise. Oh, no. This wasn't supposed to happen. And and to cap off that sentence, there is also an inexplicable jaunt to Tokyo. So um, Fast and Furious. <laughs> That's my liturgy. Did we go to Tokyo yet? No, but like we will. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, eventually on this podcast again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So hundreds of eyes uh, in modern Christian <laughs> theology. <laughs> In modern Christian theology, they appear as adoring elderly men who will listen to the will of God and present the prayers of men to God. Okay. All right. Uh, They are also said to be the carriers of the throne of God, which is another reason that they have the name throne. Like the physical carriers. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I see the wheel, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. Gotcha. So we're moving on to the second sphere. All right. Uh, And the second sphere are specifically known as the heavenly governors of creation. They guide and rule spirits. I mean, that's a that's a translation that makes sense, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, so the first one are dominions or lordships, and they are in charge of watching over the duties of the lower angels and having very little interaction with actual human beings. And managers. Mm-hmm. That literally, I wrote, they are the middle managers of the angels. Nice. I love you. So it's extremely rare that angelic lords make themselves physically known to humans. 
Um, they are said to look like beautiful humans with a pair of feathered wings, but are also distinguished from other groups of angels by the orbs of light that they wield, which are attached to the heads of their scepters or the pummels of their swords. Sounds like a shillelagh in Dungeons and Dragons. That's correct. Love it. The next group are called Virtues or Strongholds, uh, and they are angels in charge of making signs and miracles known to the mortal world. Hmm. So um, like the, the traditional sort of like heralding of a divine pronouncement, you yes. know, or like a divine um, interaction with the physical world. Uh, here is an actual description of the virtues from the De Colesti Hierarchia, yeah. which is kind of rambly, but here we go. It's it's like all in Latin, so... Classic Thomas. You know. This wasn't Thomas, but yeah. Classic Thomas. <laughs> the name of the holy virtues signifies a certain power and unshakable virility welling forth into all of their godlike energies, not being weak and feeble for any reception of the divine illuminations granted to it, mounting upwards in fullness of power to an assimilation of God, never falling away from the divine life through its own weakness, but ascending unwaveringly to the super essential virtue, which is the source of virtue. Wow. That, you know, probably was more poetic in the original. Probably. But um, I, I do like that sort of idea of whether you're talking about power or holiness or magic or whatever um being so powerful that like a puny human body can't handle it you know like we talk all the time about our kind of love of like physical and grounded magic and in you know the dresden files or other books where um you get completely worn out after performing big magic Mm -hmm. i think that makes total sense and so to have these angels sort of praised for their physical fortitude because they are able to you know kind of go back and forth between those worlds and and hold the like fullness of god or whatever in their bodies Mm -hmm. that's pretty dope that reminds me of the book that i'm reading right now which is called children of blood and bone it is excellent very very good book uh but in that book series magic is almost like a muscle that you have to keep working and flex and if you don't use it for long enough, you basically can't use your magic. Wow. And in order to refine your magic, you have to use it more and more and more and practice and make perfect, which I just, I like the idea of physical exertion, the more it works better. Yeah. It's a, it's a good example of, of practice, right? And like, that's mm-hmm. the thing that we try to teach kids, but especially as an adult where I think like either I'm good at it or not, you know, yeah. that kind of absolute thinking is very easy to do when you know, you fail at a thing once. Like it's it's just hard. It's hard for our brains to grasp the idea that we're going to try and try and try and fail and fail and fail. And that helps us succeed more, not to fail more. You yeah. know what I mean? I know. Um, so it's it's cool that that's kind of reinforced here. I like that. That's a, that's a good interpretation. Thank Thanks, you, friend. Right? Thanks. So the next and last group of the second sphere is the powers or authorities. And they were meant to supervise the movements of the heavenly bodies in order to ensure that the cosmos remain in order. I love it. The air traffic controllers. I love it. It's really, really dope. Um, So they are also warrior angels and oppose evil spirits, especially those that make use of the matter of the universe and are often cast evil spirits to detention places of sorts. I love that. They're not just like the, you know, quote unquote, like boring, you know, office types that keep everything running on time, which mm-hmm. is like my job as a as actual person. Uh, but also they are badass warriors. Yeah. Uh, and that's usually how they're represented. So they're usually represented as soldiers wearing full armor and a helmet. And they're usually carrying either defensive or, or offensive weapons such as shields, spears and chains. Amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, powers are also said to be the keepers of history and were completely loyal to God. Whereas other spheres of angels could fall from grace, Ephesians says that no power has ever fallen from heaven. Incredible. Yes. 10 out of 10. I am one of them. They are me. me. Yeah, same. I was going to be like, we should tag ourselves at the end. I'm like, I pick powers. Um, so they also oversee the distribution of power among mankind, which I wow. think is so cool. That is, especially if you think of them as like, you know, picture like a, a nuclear power plant or something where someone is sitting at like a big desk with lots of like valves, you know, and, and like things that they can adjust. And they're making sure that the cosmos operate on schedule, you know, and mm-hmm. that they are correctly distributing energy in the world of course that will translate to power amongst humans as well because like human actors are like little mistakes waiting to happen and like little balls of chaos that you have to kind of keep contained i think it's so logical that those things would go together yeah this kind of reminds me and again i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent of a really interesting character and actually one of my favorite like minor characters in our fair city which if you've heard our um our episode with jeffrey gardner you know a little bit about our fair city but post-apocalyptic basically like a business a life insurance policy uh, like company takes over a city and you know is running it in sort of this dystopian way um and one of the characters is known as the switcher so they're they're having power outages and stuff like that and there's a problem and he's this character that kind of takes over and uses his powers for good because he controls where the power goes Mm. and he's like you want to take power away from the hospitals no we're not going to do that and i'm going to make sure that people get fed in these times of need and it's like just a really interesting character and that's kind of how i picture the powers yeah and like if we want to get really big about it and why not sure big wars are fought in small places yes you know and it's like municipal government right and and like local representation and advocacy and you know door-to-door like voter engagement Mm -hmm. that actually wins elections and changes governments and like changes the way that a country operates Mm -hmm. and so it is super like not a sexy thing to like work in logistics yeah or to to you know work in management or to do these things that we think of as just kind of like taking care of themselves but you know that's where like true heroism and altruism and advocacy happen like yes you have to have figureheads yes you have to you know have big daring heroic acts but lots and lots more people can and do make a difference on the sort of you know smaller scale yeah I, I think that's a really, really good point. And I think that, you know, the powers aren't the highest um, in the spectrum of the uh, hierarchy here, but they play a really important role. Yeah. And they're also the most badass, I think, on this list. But that's just me. I love it. Um, we're going to get into the third sphere in just a second, but uh, you want to get a refill? Let's do it. Woo! Julia, this week we are sponsored by RX Bar, which several of our listeners tried last time and said that they absolutely loved it, which I'm so stoked about because I also love it. Actually, today, going to Easter brunch, I was very hungry and I happened to have a coconut flavored RX Bar in my backpack, which I ate. I didn't get any weird indigestion. I didn't get a, a bizarre, unsustainable sugar high because RX Bar are super transparent and they're made of like actual ingredients, egg whites, dates, nuts, etc., cacao, coconut, whatever the, the flavor is. They just print it right on the label. 
that's what's in it. No weird stuff. And they're delicious. Yeah. Um, I actually, every time I go to the gym, I like to work out with a little bit of something in my stomach, but not a lot of something in my stomach. Otherwise, I get all nauseous and stuff. You know what I mean. RX Bar is the perfect pre and post workout snack for me. I just down those peanut butter flavored ones in a heartbeat. They're my favorite thing in the world. And like the nice part is like it turns out real food is actually good for you and also tastes good. Like shockingly, you can actually when you bite into an RX bar, taste the cacao, taste the real fruit, taste the spices. And that's because they're not hiding behind all of these like ridiculous fake ingredients. They're real and upfront. Yeah, just like us, there's no BS. Uh, there's no added sugar. They are gluten-free and soy-free and dairy-free, which is really nice because I am lactose intolerant and there is like milk and whey and stuff in pretty much everything. So whether you're into sweet or savory or like chocolatey stuff or fruity stuff, there are flavors for you. And Spirits listeners can get 25% off their first order at rxbar.com spirits with the promo code spirits at checkout. Yeah, get a peanut butter one on me or get a uh, get a coconut one on Amanda. Yeah, and tweet us and tell us what uh, what flavor is your favorite. But like the texture's great, the flavor's great. Ugh, I'm I'm honestly such a big fan of these things. Yeah, they're awesome and we're so glad that they're sponsoring spirits. Yeah, so thank you again. That's rxbar.com slash spirits with the promo code spirits for twenty five percent off your first order. Now let's get back to the show. So Amanda, we're going into the final sphere, and this is the third sphere. Uh, Those members of the third sphere act as heavenly guides, protectors, and messengers to human beings. All right. So the sorts of angels we probably read about in the the New Testament. Exactly. Yeah. So the first one is the principalities or rulers, uh, and they are angels said to guide and protect nations, groups of people, or institutions such as the church. A single principality rules over a band of angels and is the one that gives them orders in order to have them fulfill the divine ministry. You know what I mean? Yes, like the person issuing what we're going to be doing. Yes, they're the divine administrators. Hey. (laughs) Which is adorable. Uh, So they are the middle managers of angels. Okay. They are shown wearing a crown and hold a scepter. And they also are said to carry out orders given to them by upper sphere angels and give blessings to the material world. That is very cool. Yeah. You know, Jules, I really want to know where scepters came from. Like, where did this idea come from that powerful people? I have no idea. You know, like between Moses has often like a stick, you know, as he's like leading people through the desert. He like parting staff. The, yeah. yeah, but exactly. that's like, he's, you know, a poor man. And so I understand from that perspective that like a walking stick is useful. And that's probably where that comes from. Or like a staff for fighting or for herding cattle and stuff. Yeah, but a scepter is just like, it's very it's ceremonial. Elevated staff? Like, what is the origin? I don't know. People who know more than us about this. Please email us, spiritspodcast at gmail. Jim probably knows. Jim, let us know. <laughs> so they are the educators and guardians of the earth, and they inspire living things to create, both in the arts and the sciences. Oh, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, I like buddy. creating stuff. I do like creating stuff. That's why we do this. Hey. We have a good principality looking over us. You just did a fist bump to your chest and then pieced at the sky. I did. Just for our listeners. Sake. I did. Cool. And now when I see football people doing that, football p- players, I, in fact, I will. I love uh, those football people. I will. Uh, I mean, maybe the coaches, maybe the Gatorade boys and girls. I don't know. Uh, but they'll, I'll picture them looking up at the sky and thinking their principality. Next are the archangels. Oh, uh, these guys probably, I've heard of. I was going to say, they're probably the most well-known of the angels, but they're 
actually only slightly above the common angel. Huh. In the Bible, the term archangel only appears twice in theologians and in Jude. Uh, and only one archangel is given a name in the New Testament, and that is Michael. Yes. Yes. You were pointing at me. Were you going to interject and say Michael? I was going to say Gabriel. Nope. But then I recovered. Uh, so later Christian traditions say that Gabriel was also an archangel, as was Raphael. Yes, one of the Ninja Turtles. Yep, one As of the Ninja commonly Turtles. Known. There were said I'm to so be... sorry, Father Gallagher. I really tried <laughs> to listen at the time. There were said to be seven archangels altogether. The others included Uriel, who was never mentioned in the Western Christian Bible, but w- plays a really large role in Anglican and Russian Orthodox churches. Huh. These seven archangels are said to be the guardian angels of nations and countries and are concerned in the politics, military matters, and commerce and trade. It makes a lot of sense that there would be a smaller group or like round table, you know, of yeah. these principalities, of these archangels, if they are, you know, influencing like such huge events. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I I should have probably gone into more like, you know, Michael is known as the angel of death and stuff like that. And I wish I did, but I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the next are just, just angels. Just plain angels. angels. Common angels. Um, So they are the lowest order of angels. Oh. Uh, They are concerned with the affairs of living things and are primarily just the messengers to humanity, appearing to people with messages from the heavens. But, like, those are the angels that human beings talk about and pray for, you know, um, and, like, wear necklaces of. Yeah. So I think there's an interesting thing to be said here, too, where, like, you know, if you're running a business, you can be in the boardroom all you want, but the way that people form opinions about your business is the, is the folks that they interact with every single day. That's true. You know, the like cashiers and the uh, bank tellers and the gas station attendants, like those are the people that represent to the average person um, the like sum total of your entire organization. It's not the CEO. Yeah. It's like who you talk about every single day. Right. I think that's a valuable lesson that more people at companies should think about. I don't know, like paying your workers fair wages and like giving them wage. good be benefits nice. and vacation and maternity leave yeah. and, and parental bonding leave and uh, no one cares that you flipped over your M's to make W's for women, McDonald's. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Anyway. Capitalism's um, a lie. <laughs> capitalism is a lie. Uh, personal guardian angels are probably fairly well known, at least in Western culture. Yeah. These are not any specific order uh, from the plain angels, but rather are given a specific human to watch over their day-to-day affairs. So it's not like a special kind of angel. It's just yeah. like, hey, angel, this is your person. It's just regular angel. And then they're like, hey, you, you watch that guy. It is a common belief that they are assigned to every human being, whether or not they're religious in the Abrahamic sense or not. Uh, It is never specified whether or not they guard multiple humans during their existence or just Ah. one, which you'd have to assume that they're like if their person dies, it's not just like, well, I'm done. I don't have to watch any human being ever again. I mean, population is only growing. So I assume they would be given a a newborn babe. Yeah. But like 8 billion angels, a lot of angels. Yeah. It's a lot of angels. At the same time though, you really want to connect. What if the angel had a really boring person? That would suck. What if a person had a really bad angel? That would also suck. Well, can the angels be bad though? I suppose you're right. It's a whole question of like divine influence. Supposedly we get demons, but like whatevs. It's fine. We better ask Dan Brown about that. We should ask Dan Brown about that <laughs> angels and demons specification. Boom. I hate you. I love you. In Zoroastrianism, each person has one guardian angel, which is known as a fravashi, and they manifest God's energy and don't convey messages specifically, but rather just the energy of 
Ahura Mazda, which is their godlike figure. That's pretty cool, though. Like, you decide for yourself what you do with that energy. You know, they're here to make sure that you are, like, inspired and connected, you know, sort of, like, yeah. plugged in to the, to the bigger, like, source of the universe. To the matrix of the universe. Yeah. Yes. I agree. So that's, that's angels. Wow. Angels are a lot more complex in the tradition we were raised in than yeah. I realized. Yeah. I know. I picture just kind of, like, in, you know, white robes, like, blonde male figure um you know like coming down to like print to like heralds you know some kind of pronouncement Mm -hmm. um but i love this idea of angels having managers and meetings or being wheels with hundreds of eyes oh again with the hundreds of eyes i'd forgotten it temporarily i'm here to remind you about the hundreds of eyes read the seventh tower by garth nix it's very important and remember stay creepy stay cool Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff. Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. Bye.